about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the fresh fire and wind. Thank you, Lord, for your glory. Thank you for everyone that is here and at the sound of my voice, Father. I pray blessings over them. I thank you, Lord, right now. There's no distractions from the enemy. I speak forth on everyone. Their spiritual ears are open. Their hearts are open to receive what you have for them today. Father, we thank you that you are such a good God. You give us something fresh and new every day if we are open. So I pray for everyone right now that they are open to receive. There's no hindrances, no blockages, no demonic activity right now. Rebuke it right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we just thank you for what you're going to do. Use my vocal cords. Use whatever part of my body, Father. I just say, use me for your good and glory. I give you praise, honor, and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Turn to Jeremiah 1. Oh, that might be too loud. Jeremiah 1. I'm going to read from the New Living. Most of the stuff that I read from today is New Living. Normally I do um, Amplified, but I got New Living today. And I thank the Lord for my computer because I used to always type. I can type and make it bigger now, which helps. <laughs> I mean, I still have 2020 vision. It's just that, you know, the doctor thinks that maybe I need readers. But I'm like, the devil is a liar. I'm in, I'm in denial. Because <laughs> as soon as I try to read, I'm like, wait, what? No. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> or probably just put your, your words on the, on the computer and you could like blow it up as big as you want. <laughs> I could, so I don't even bring my Bible. I just type it all in the, here so I can just see it. The Lord gives us wisdom, okay? My yoke is easy burden is like, the Lord's like, put it on the computer and type in the, the Bible verses so you could just read it right there. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 1, we're going to start at verse 7. The Lord replied, don't say I am too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant, verse 11. Then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I replied, I see a branch from an almond tree. And the Lord said, that's right. And it means that I'm watching and I'm certain and I will certainly carry out all of my plans. Right away, Jeremiah was told who he had to be, who he was. He was awakened to his identity so he can see with his spiritual eyes about God's perception. And I have to ask you, what do you see? What do you what do you see right now that's going on that you need to have God's perception on? And you might be going, that's not the, that's like the same thing, but it's really not. What you see sometimes in the natural is not God's perception of what he sees. You see what I'm saying? Your perception is going to determine your future. 
and, it's, and, and your perception should always and only be based on the word of God. Perception is a related term of perceive. Now, perceive is a verb that means to see, to be aware of, to understand, to obtain knowledge through the senses. How many of our senses can lie all the time? But perception is a noun, and it means organization, identification, and interpretation of sensory information. So what you see and you can interpret in your spirit using God's perception, right? Your idea or response to something after feeling it via your sensory information is generally the first notion you form about coming in contact with someone or something for the first time. So when something is coming at you that you know is, is against the word, what is your first notion about it? When something comes and hits your finances, what is your first notion? What are you first saying about it? Oh my goodness, I can't, I don't have money to pay this bill. When you got an attack on your body and the doctor says, I'm, oh my gosh, here we go, I, I got this. Is that your first, or is your first notion when it comes to your, your finances? No, 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 that don't belong to me. The Lord says he's Jehovah Jireh. When something comes to your body, no, 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 that, that doesn't belong to me. He says, by him, his stripes I'm healed. And lot, let's be real, sometimes it's really difficult to go right in to do that. However, in this time and season we are approaching, it got to be straight up. First thing that comes to you is the word of God. You got to go straight into God's perception of it. And I'm going to talk about myself because I had to change my perception about my own self. And I'm not who I was, thank the Lord. <laughs> I'm not what I went through. And I know there's so much more that God's going to outpour into me and download into me, right? So yeah, something about me. The Lord ordained me to be married, I mean, me to be um, born to teenage parents. My mother was 16, my father was 18, okay? So I, it's funny, I just talked to my mom about this yesterday, because in the time I was born in the 70s, abortion was like, get your abortion, right? Get your abortion. And even when my mom found out she was pregnant about me, one of the first things my own grandmother, her mother said, is, are you getting an abortion, right? Mind you, my mom's 16 years old, okay? Teenager. So my mom told me yesterday, she was like, yeah, when, when mom said that, you know, I was like, no, I can't do that. If anything, I'll just give birth and, and give the baby up for an adoption. But my mom said, when I start feeling you kick, she said, this is my baby. At 16, this is my baby. I'm, I can't give her up. Thank the Lord. Because she could just, just bye, and, you know, and kept going. And she didn't. So however, she married my biological father. They were married for two years because they're babies. Who knows what to do and get married? 16 and having a baby and get married? No. So they got divorced. So I had to deal with, I was two, okay? I was two years old when they got divorced. And then my mom was telling me some stuff that how even at two, I got really bad chicken pox to the point back then you got chicken pox. It was really bad, especially as a baby, because then I was hospitalized for almost two weeks for chicken pox. So she's like, you almost died there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, almost died. A couple years later, my uncle sets my crib on fire. So I almost died there, <laughs> right? I'm like, what's happening? I'm just a baby. Are you kidding me? So I'm sitting here hearing her say all these stories about this could happen and that could So I'm sitting there going, God, I thank you for your goodness and your glory that you protected me even as a baby. Like, I didn't even know. Thank you, Father. And I know, I was like, thank you, God. Even, even to the point where, as I, I grew up older and I had to go through the back and forth to different parents' house, you know, because my mother remarried um, to my 
I don't like to call my stepdad. He re she remarried to the man who raised me since I was four. They, they got married at six. And then my biological father also remarried um, to a woman who's great. And they both always took me as their own. Okay. And the funny thing is, they're all they're still married. So my joke to my parents are always, you guys only came together to have me. <laughs> I was that special. The Lord's like, come together, make her, then okay, just go, <laughs> right? Then get with your soulmate or whoever. Bye, <laughs> right? Have her. So I had to go through that thing where I'm going back and forth to different houses. So I'm the oldest on both in both households as the oldest sibling with my mother and then over with my biological father and his family. So I had to deal with that. I had to deal with having um, a paternal grandmother who is, um, she's half white and black, raised in the, I don't know, probably, I think she'd be 89. And she tried to raise me and my cousin, because I'm lighter and my cousin's a little darker, she tried to give me white babies to play with and then gave my cousin black babies. Okay, so I'm having to deal with the color issue, and a lot of times we deal with that in, in black communities. Let's just be real. So I'm dealing with that. It's just so much. I'm seeing how God is like continually protecting me and kept me and changed my perception, even when I didn't know Him per se. There was a time where I think Ben spoke about last week where I was, we were Muslims for a time. Okay. So we're Muslims, and I mean we're Muslim in it. Like we the best Muslims there could possibly be. You put Muslim, our name was right there, okay? With my head covering and everything. Where we went to the mosque, where Ben had to go to one side, and I had to go on another with my girls. There was no children's mosque. <laughs> okay, let me just say that clear. There was no children's mosque. My girls sat with me, and we sat for hours, okay? Hours. And could I tell you my girls knew how to act? Because <laughs> I know I would have acted up after sitting there that long. Because when I was growing up, we went to Baptist church. And you stayed a long time, too. And I remember getting gum from my great aunts at the bottom of her purse, tasting like lint. <laughs> but I just wanted gum. I needed something to chew on to keep me awake. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Everyone black, basically, we kind of grew up Baptist. Right? It's kind of like we were all, just like a lot of people grew up Catholic, a lot of blacks grew up as Baptists. Okay? Let me scrooge this down. So anyway, this is when it really started changing my perception of who I was as a Muslim and all that stuff. My grandmother, my, patern my maternal grandmother, my mom's mom who told her to have an abortion with me, ended up getting another Lord and become born again. Okay? And let me say this funny thing. My, 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 my grandmother told my mom to have an abortion. A couple months later, my grandmother was pregnant. <laughs> okay? I forgot to mention that part. So that baby she had was my aunt, who was also like my sister, because we're only six months apart. And I grew up with my mother's siblings as like my siblings, because we were so close like that. So anyway, my, my maternal grandmother got born again, saved, and all this stuff. And the funny thing is when Ben and I were Muslims, my grandmother would still send us Christmas cards every year. And I'm like, we don't celebrate Christmas. But she didn't care. She kept sending it, sending seeds, sending seed. My grandmother had an aneurysm, 
And when she had that aneurysm, she started forgetting some stuff, dealing with dementia and stuff. And we had her for like a week where I just went over to my mom's and took care of her because I stayed at home with my girls. And I always remember, this is when I, my perception changed. My grandmother said to me, mind you, she's talking about her dead brothers are still alive. She's talking about this house that she held, that big house she had. And I'm like, Grandma, you don't have it anymore. Like she couldn't remember. But I always remember she spoke into my life. Me with my wrapped head and my Muslim garb and said, Tasha, the Lord showed me that you and Ben are going to be used mightily for his kingdom. Amen. And I'm looking at her like, she does know I'm Muslim, and I pray five times a day, and I'm praying to Jesus. What are you talking about? I'm like, Grandma, no, 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 no. I already know it. He's telling me that. So when you and Ben start being used for the Lord, it's going to be a great thing. Now, you want me to cook you some eggs? <laughs> no, I don't, because you only a stove on. But... <laughs> And I watched her, even with the dementia. My grandmother was still reading her word. Still, I would catch her in there praying in the Holy Ghost. So even with this dementia stuff, I'm like, what is going on with her? So when she passed away in December of 2000, I said to the Lord, all right, just because my grandma was so steadfast on you, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover. Now, I read the Bible as a Muslim. Don't get me wrong, because I had to so I can come against all of you. I was going to know more than your word than you did. And let me tell you, baby, I did. I knew more of the word than many Christians because we don't study. But that's another, that's another subject. So I started reading the word. She died in December 2000. I got born again January 2001. And I was not in the church. I did not have anyone pray with me or for me. I was in my bedroom reading the word, and the Holy Ghost just engulfed my room, and I started crying, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what my grandma was talking about, and I was like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing Muslim stuff, I'm, and I did all, I did new agey stuff. I was doing spells. I thought I was a little white witch. I mean, I did all this stuff, honey. The devil's busy. He would lie and lie and lie, and I remember I went to my husband, and I was like, I'm done. I'm not going back. And he was looking at me like, well, I, I'm going to gonna be done too. <laughs> like, we just was like, okay, we're done. But we didn't know what to do after that because I knew that the Lord met me in my bedroom. So I'm thinking that we just going to stay in, in this bedroom and just, because <laughs> this is where the glory is, the glory. But we found a church. And for those who don't know the kind of Muslim Ben and I were, we were like Nation of Islam Muslims. So we were like, couldn't stand like white people. Like, we called y'all the devil. White people, blue-eyed Jesus, blue-eyed devil. Like, we were horrible with that. Like, we didn't have love for you if you're white. We only had love for people of color. Black, Hispanic, Asian, but not if you're white. And when I tell you when we got born again, our first church we went to was a white pastor who loved us and embraced us as his own kid. That I knew, I was like, Jesus is like real, real. Like, real, real. Because when I tell you, and Ben, don't get mad at me, but when, when I tell you Ben had a problem, he angry, like we were at bowling one day, and these two white guys tried to cut me in line, and Ben got so mad, and he looked at us and said, what, if you don't get away from my wife, and don't you dare disrespect her, but, and I'm looking like, whoa, but that was Ben, he was like, don't you do that, that's my wife, and, and then you white man, so then it's like, you, it was a whole different angle, okay, but look at him now. <laughs> God is real. God changed that, that perception, right? He changed our perception. 
So I started growing. When I heard from my grandma, I got born again. My perception had to change. I'm like, I'm not that girl that was just born to teenage parents. I'm not that girl that just been through all this stuff. I'm not the girl that was a Muslim for seven years. I'm not that. But you know who I am now is I am a daughter of the king. I belong to King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who I am. I am the apple of my daddy's eye. And I don't mean my, my earthly daddies because I've got two of them. But I'm like, I'm the apple of my daddy's eye. And I realize I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm here to tell you that many of you may look at everything you've been through and the things that you know how the devil tried to take you out so many times, but you are not any of those things. You are still here to complete a purpose that has your name on it. You still have an assignment to do that has your name on it, the only that you can do. You still have a mandate that God has called you to do, and it is time for you to step into that purpose for real this time and not turn back. I could sit all day and go, this, is, this was my life and that would happen. But no, I'm like, you know what it is right here, right now, in the present? God is so good to me. He's been so good to me and my family. I know he's been so good to you, too. So when people come and talk to me about Jesus, I got to tell them. I got to tell them how God has transformed my life. I got to tell them how he cleaned my life up. I got to tell them how he's been so good and faithful to me and still is to this day. Right? Back to Jeremiah 1, verse 9 and 10, I'm going to read. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. Others you must build up and plant. This verse changed my perception of who I am. This is the verse the Lord gave me when I got licensed to, uh, as a minister back in 2010, when we were under a ministry in Georgia. Now I think the Lord, you don't got to get all this license stuff. You know the word and God's called you, just be called, honey. Just do what he told you to do, right? But this was the verse, and I didn't know necessarily what it meant then in 2010 than what it means right here now for me, right? And it started with me preaching about the Lord putting his words in my mouth and me preaching. And when I said, yeah, PT spoke in my life, my husband spoke in my life, many people, but I was getting words about preaching in Georgia, a long time ago that I, the Lord brought up to my memory. And I mean like prophets coming in from, from Africa and South Africa to speak over our life and would immediately say, God has called you to be a prophet. God has called you to preach. And I'm just like, whatever. I've been saying whatever for a long time, right? <laughs> who wants that gift? Who, who wants that? I, no. But he was saying that. So when, it, when I go and say, now that verse is saying to me, he's taking me from the one level of being prophetic now to another level of profit. And I'm telling you this because I'm, I want you all to hold me accountable, right? So when I'm saying, I'm like, okay, this is what the Lord's called me to be. Now, am I a pastor? Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm the type of pastor that operate with the prophetic and the prophet. I'm a prophet first. That's why I realized that when I was preaching for so long, my words, people go, dang, that was so hard. That was just so harsh. And I've eased back a little bit. Thank the Lord. He softened my heart. He softened me. But I realized as a prophet, I can't look always at my delivery. Because when I see prophets, I don't think they're going real nice. Because you know what? Prophetic edifies comfort and encourages the prophetic will. But a prophet going to come and give you the word the way the Lord has said it and move. Like, you got to take that. And I remember that I said this at Empower Women, that when my girls were small, I couldn't watch. When they were out in the street, I wasn't going to go, hey, Shazen, come out of the street, a car's coming. 
I'm yelling at them, get out of the street, the car is coming. So I can startle them like, whoa. So at times when you got a prophet that speaks a word, they're going to say something that might startle you like, whoa, what is that? But you got to hold on to that. Okay, God, what are you saying to me in this? And don't get caught up in who it's coming from. Don't get caught up in the delivery of it. Don't get caught up and say, well, it wasn't done in love. It was done in love because we're trying to save your life. That's the best kind of love. And I'm not just talking about me. Many of you also are in here called to be a prophet. Many of you are called to do that. And it's time for you to start hearing God. And let me tell you, when you're in this position where you're trying to hear God, I can't just come up and start studying because I have to, I have to preach a word. i got to be in his word and his presence all the time. We're singing, I want more, I want more. But do you really? Are you showing him in your time? Are you putting him as a priority? Or are you giving him the last five minutes of your day? Are you waking up saying, hello, Jesus, and then keep on going through your day? But are we saying we want more because we're really spending that time with him? Are we really saying, Lord, use me? Lord, even though it's uncomfortable, I'm going to say use me anyway. When I tell you when I'm in my sessions and I got to deal with Satanists and people talk about this sexual stuff, I'm talk- that's the anointing on my life. They're like, I'm not stepping back. I'm stepping fully in. Like, okay, what are we doing? Lord, however you want me to use, however you want to use my mouth, then you use it because I'm going to speak it with your good, with your power and your authority and I tell you when people come to my, my sessions and they don't want a Christian this is this and then when they talk to me they want to see me every day that is the anointing of God on my life okay and I also realized too as I'm, I'm moving to the prophet that pastors will trim and prune the leaves right they're going to make you look real nice they're putting out fires they're gonna make you, so you can grow more fruit Prophets coming up, as the verse just says, and ripping it out. Ripping up the root and building back up, <laughs> right? We're just ripping it out. But I tell you, I'm learning, too, that every word that the Lord has me give, people, everyone's not going to like it. Everyone's not going to like it. I'm not going to be able to tickle everyone's ears or their fancy. I know everyone's not for me. I know that everyone is not my assignment. And I got that. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, that everyone is not. But there are plenty who are. And I say that for you. Everyone is not who you're supposed to be around. You may think it. Well, I just got to be used by God. No, the Lord's going to speak to you. That, that's, yeah, that's it. But they're not. Then you move on to the next one. Because there are many people who God has assigned to you and your name and your ministry. Right? Oh, one other thing that I felt that just dropped in my spirit, that, that I felt like people try to throw things at you that's not biblical and say this, this is what I'm seeing. That They're not even reading the Bible. Don't take stuff from people who don't even read the Bible themselves and try to speak things in your life that you know are not biblical. How do you know it's not biblical? Because you've been studying yourself. And the Lord has shown me that many people in this time in the body of Christ are biblically illiterate. Because we feel that we want to trust more on our emotions and our feelings than we want to on the word of God. If it ain't lining up with my feelings, then I don't want it. If it's not lining up with my emotions, don't want it. But we got to know what the word says, how the word says it, and be about that. For instance, people say, you got you to gotta love everybody. They're going to know us how we love on everybody else. No, the word says that they're going to know us how we love each other. Because the word says they're going to know us by our fruits. That's what the word says. Or people who throw that, don't be judging. You're not supposed to judge. Well, if you're a believer, I'm judging you. Because the word says I can judge another believer. 
if you don't know the word and the Lord, then I'm not going to judge you. But if you're a believer, I'm judging you so that you can get to a place where you can get back to what God has called you to be. When you're doing something harmful as your sister, I'm going to say, listen, sis, listen, bro, this ain't working. Because I love you, and I want you to go deeper into another level of God. But I get why people didn't want to know the word as much. I understood that. You know why? Because the word confronts our flesh. It confronts people and their pet demons. The word confronts false doctrines and traditions of men. The message of the cross along with Jesus is confrontational. Right? All right. So where am I going to go? Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. You guys okay? Thanks, Lulu. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Remember, I meant new, new living. So we don't look at the troubles we can, we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will, will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Say, my perception is the word. Even if people have seen you as a broken man or a woman, or tell you you're not going to amount to anything, you don't listen to that because God has a final say. The Lord's perception is what matters. And I got to tell you that when you became born again, he has changed your DNA. You have the bloodline of Christ running in your veins. You are not with all the other generations that you think that was in your, in your lifeline. No, that's not you anymore. You have a new DNA and a new bloodline running through your veins. And that is from Christ. So you are called as the repairer of the breach. You know what that means? You carry the one who is life-giving, life-sustaining, life-restoring. That's what each and every one of you carry with you. Okay. Because of the purpose in your life, the Lord wants me to remind you not to be distracted in this hour. Because distractions will come. You can't be distracted when you are called and anointed to destroy the works of the enemy. You can't be distracted when you know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can't be distracted when you know that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You can't be distracted by feelings or emotions or get distracted because someone don't like you or someone didn't like the way you preach or the word you gave. You can't be distracted by that. Because as I told women too, is that when we stand in the office of a daughter and you stand in the office of a son, can nothing take you off that. You don't have to deal with rejection because guess what? You are in the office of a son and a daughter. And another thing, don't get distracted by you. By you. We blame everybody else. But I'm going to talk to you, each and every one of you. Get yourself out of the way. Get out of your negative thinking. Get out of your comfort zone, right? And sometimes it may look like you're going backwards, but in all actuality, you are shifting to another realm. As a therapist, one thing I struggle with most of my clients is their thinking patterns and their perception of themselves or their, their situation, right? But I start telling them, like I'm going to tell you, when you start getting like that, you got to reframe that thinking and place it with God's perception of you. And when you got to see you around people that you shouldn't be around, change who you're supposed to be around. If you got to um, move a certain way, then you move. Change the way you move. Change the way you function at times. Change your friends. Say that again. Change your friends. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest things to do is to let yourself go. Just to let go and trust God in it. Everyone wants to keep their hand in it because they're like, I think I can make it work a certain way. I think I'm, this worked for me before in the past. Let me try it this way. And I'm always like, no, take your hands off. 
If it says trust in the Lord with all your heart, not, then trust him. He only wants us to believe, not to doubt, not to see how it's going to happen, but just believe him, right? When my dad's uh, stage four lung cancer hit, that diagnosis hit, the first thing I did was, I'm being honest, I cried. Because we know if, immediately when we hear the word cancer, we take it as a death sentence. And when I heard stage four, I'm thinking like, whoa. This. But immediately after I cried, I sat there, I wiped my tears, I said, put on your bootstraps, and who are you? What are you supposed to do? you got to speak the word of God over him. So I went in immediately and said, you know what? I thank you, Father, that my dad will not die, but live to declare your works. I thank you that you have healed him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. I thank you that the healing balm of Gilead flows through his, life, his veins. I thank you, Father, he has a purpose and assignment that he has to fulfill for you, and you will not be taken from this life until fulfilled every second. I thank you, Father. If you don't know how to get into the word and start hitting it like that, get into that time where you can start doing that. Because in this time and season, we got to be ready, y'all. We talking about revival. Well, you got to be ready. Revival in here first, but you got to be ready. All right, let me see what else he wants me to share. Go to um, Galatians 2. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I also would just throw in Colossians 1.27, you don't have to turn there. For God wanted them to know that, that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret, Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Christ is in you. So when people see you and the perception of you, they should be seeing Christ. Right? He's the anointed one. And because he's anointed, so are you. I love it how the anointing on my life to preach every day in the marketplace. Every time I have a session, I have an anointing in the marketplace to preach. Now, I'm not preaching them here the Bible verse that you should do this. No, but I'm saying things to them. I thank the Lord for the revelation. To say it to them, to meet them right where they're in their lifestyle. And they're like, hmm. Because that is the anointing to go into the marketplace. And I pray that over each and every one of you that he gives you exactly the words to speak and say to people to meet them where they're at so they could be drawn to that because that's what's going to draw them to Christ. Not you beating them up, but you know what? After you say something to them, then they're going to be drawn to the power of God because signs and wonders follow. And when I tell you when people come in, they smell just, oh man, Jesus, here we go. When they can come in, just smell the anointing of glory in the office because I tell them I pray up in there. I lay hands on the couch. I pray for every one of my clients I'm like let's come on Jesus come on Holy Ghost I'm like I gotta change your perception I gotta let you know the anointing that's on the inside of my life the anointing that can break things in the atmosphere an anointing that can break off chains from people's life the anointing that can lay hands on them and they heal the anointing to get the demons out of these people when they come into my office now not everyone has demons but there are many people who are suffering right now with serious things so how dare us sit in our butts and just sit in our chairs and not do anything how dare us not express the love of Jesus how dare us not go and say you know what I got something for you that can help you get through this time I got something that can get you delivered I got something that can give you that hope and that peace Because I know he has not only just been good to me, I know he's been good to each and every one of you. And every time the enemy tries to come and hit anyone in this church or anybody in my family, I'm like, oh, devil, now I'm even coming harder at you. Because you shouldn't have never, you thought that I was going to be, you thought what was going to happen after this, you never would have touched me. 
When he tried to come against my daughter at the hospital a couple weeks ago, I'm like, oh, all right, all right. You, you're, trying to, you're trying to touch God's anointed right now. Okay, I see where we're going. All right, we don't, you don't play fair. He never plays fair. Well, you know what? I'm not a player fair either with the anointing when it comes to you because guess what, devil? You already defeated foe. You're already under my feet. So I know, I'm like, you got to know with God's perception, the anointing that you have on each and every one in your life, the anointing that you have to unlock things in other people. Thank you, Lord. I thank him for the anointing. Say, Holy Ghost fire. Because of that Holy Ghost fire, you have a different way of living. You have a different way to speak to people about their marriage. You have a different way to talk to them about money. You got a different way to talk to them about their families. You have a different way to talk to people in their jobs and their careers. You have a different way to talk to people about their families that are addicted to drugs. You have a different way to talk to them when they come in and tell you they're sick and break and having an issue right now in their life. You have a different way to talk when people tell you that they're infertile and they can't have babies. You have a different way to talk to them when they say they want a husband and a wife and you try to tell them what to do. You got a different way in you. It's the anointing. It's the Holy Ghost and fire. Because I tell you, when you spend time with the Lord, he can't do anything but increase the anointing on your life. When you spend time with Jesus, he's going to transform you. But when you spend time with the devil, oh Jesus, he's going to give you transgender because he wants to confuse you. But when you spend time with Jesus, he's going to transform your life. And because of that transformation, you're going to go and transform everybody else's life. So when they come to you with some mess, you're going to say, no, I'll break this in Jesus' name. This does not go with you because I have an anointing on my life that's going to break it. I have an anointing that's going to change your life. It's not not necessarily you, but when you allow God to use your hands and your feet and your mouth, baby, all you can do is going to push off the anointing and the love of God and the power of God. Come on, because when the anointing starts bubbling up, you around the anointing, and then you start getting bubbled, and then you smear, you can't do anything else but smear somebody else. And believe me, when you come around me, you're going to be smeared and smeared and touched and not everything else. And I say the same for each and every one of you. You better tell people, you sure you want to touch me? You sure you want to be around me? Because I'm a smeary baby like a turkey. Bagels and lots. Come on. The anointing has an aroma. The anointing has a good smell. Smells real good. But so does when you're not anointed, you smell too. And it doesn't smell good. Every time people come to my office, they go, it smells so good in here. Sometimes I have a little oil of peppermint on, which I like. Sometimes I don't. And they still come and go, it smells so good in here. It's the anointing. And when you're not flowing in that anointing, you've got issues and you're not trusting God and all this stuff, well, you smell a certain way too. And we all know when something stinks, you walk in and you smell something, you're like, oh, your whole face frown. How are you going to do any work when your face is frowning like, this is not good, Jesus. But when you come and it smells good, you're like, ooh, I'm drawn to that. There's an anointing that just draws people to you. I don't know why some people want to come and be around me. I don't know why I want to go and be around people. You know why? Because the anointing and the Lord has drawn us together with certain people. But as the Lord has drawn us to certain people and things, he also has a protection around us. He protects the anointing as well. It's like a repellent. And I thank you for that, because I will tell you, there's some people who I do see that I'm like, I don't ever want to see them again. <laughs> right? And somehow they're not on my schedule. I didn't say anything. It's just, I don't know what happened. But the Lord protects. And 
I thank you for that protection for me, for my family, for each and every one of you. But there's an anointing on your life. So you have to have that perception of, I'm anointed. Don't be false with humility, because being false with humility ain't casting devils out. But you got to have that perception, I'm anointed. I'm called of God. He has great things in store for me and my family. He wants me to do great exploits. He wants me to be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 3. Almost done, guys. Exodus 3. 13. But Moses protest, protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So when they ask you, when you talk to people, who's this God? What's his name? I am. The I am of the I am. You ever wonder why, why people always talk about Christians? And you never hear them talk about Muslims or Buddhists or anything else? Because why would you attack dead things? Jesus is the only true and living God. So yeah, I want to attack the living person. I'm not going to attack anything dead. Why do I want to fight you? You're dead. But if you're living and I know the power that you have, I'm going to attack you. So that's why the enemy constantly has people talk about Christians and talk about Jesus and this and that. Because he's the one and only true living God. He is the king of kings. He's not a king. He is the Lord of lords, not a Lord. Come on, we serve a living God. We serve a living God. And when I talk to people, I'm like, listen, whatever you need, he has for you. Whatever the need is. And then I start going, Lord, tell me. Let's just talk to him. Let's talk to him. Okay, he's Jehovah Rapha for you. Okay? The Lord who heals. He's Jehovah Jireh for you. The, the Lord who provides. He's Jehovah Ra. Huh? He's Jehovah Sikhanu. He's Jehovah M. Kadesh. Everything you need is in his name. And if you can't remember any of those, just say Jesus. Because everything is in the name of Jesus. Huh? Everything. He's the great I am. He's Elohim. He's Yahweh. Hey, Hasata, he's everything, everything that you need. Know him by his attributes. I call my husband Ben, Benny, babe, honey. He's still the same. That's him. Same with the Lord. I'm called, okay, Lord, I need you as my provider. You're Jehovah Jireh. I need you as my healer. You're Jehovah Rav. I just go and call him. Thank you, Father, for the attributes that I can pull into. That's what I need from you today. Thank you, Father. That name grants you access to everything. It is the name above all names. Thank you, Lord. Whatever things that, that might have seemed inaccessible to you is accessible to you because of the name of Jesus. You understand that? Oh, Jesus. That's why I'm like, because that name gives me accessible. That's why I talk to people. Go, I don't come in my own name. I come in the name of Jesus because I know what that name does. I can't come in my own name. I don't do anything because let me tell you, honey, I get an attitude at times. Yes. I... <laughs> I get very squirrely. I'm squirrely. I'm known as squirrely with my family. They even say that when I wake up. Are you squirrely today? <laughs> Listen, they know. If I, don't, don't talk to me. Listen, I know I'm anointed. Don't call me if I have not like, had a good night's sleep and I had my coffee and stuff. Don't you call me. Because you're talking about prophet, baby. I'm going to hit you with some words that you're going to have to go back. <laughs> Listen. 
I can't come in my name because I'm telling. I will clap back. You you say something to me, you I'm gonna snap right back at you and then repent. Don't. The Lord's working on me. David's laughing because he sees me. <laughs> David has seen everything. <laughs> it still loves me, <laughs> right? He can't wait. He's like, I'm so excited to be in this family. I just love it. He even said that he's like, Mom, I, I know they always talk about you as far as, man, you sure? Like, Tasha should give me a hard time? He's like, but I love it. <laughs> so he's perfect for the family. <laughs> Listen, the Lord provides who has to, right? But I think I don't have to preach in my own name because y'all know it'd be a mess up in here. Be a mess. But I thank him, I can trust him for the anointing that he has placed on my life, in my life, the purpose, the call. And I think that I'm not only called, but I'm chosen. And I want to say that to many of you, you're not only called, but you're chosen. And it's time for you to walk into that chosen purpose right now. In Luke 4, 43, you don't have to turn there, but he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So I tell people all the time, I come in the one who sent me. I don't just go on my own. I got to go because he sent me. And I think many times if things don't work out for you because you went somewhere that God didn't send you. But he's saying he is calling us as, as he's sending us to certain places and certain people. And I tell him, I do. I come because I was sent to preach the kingdom of God. I came because I was sent to represent as an ambassador of God. I came because I am sent to tell you about the resurrected name of Jesus. His promises are yes and amen. And I thank him for that, that his promises are yes and amen. In Joshua 21, 45, it says, Not a single one of all the, God, the good promises the Lord has given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he has spoken came true. So I'm going to say this to you. You put your name in here. Not a single one of all of the good promises the Lord has given to Latasha, has given to Ted, has given to Daphne, has given to Barbara was left unfulfilled. Everything he has spoken came true. That's, listen, I, I'm clapping myself for that one. Amen. Every promise. Every, every promise. So when I sit there and think about the promises of God, all I can do is shout hallelujah. hallelujah. When I think about the promises of God and they're not delayed, I'm like, thank you, Lord. I thank him for the promises that he said, with long life, he will satisfy me. I thank you that his word says that he has given us life and life more abundantly. I thank you that he said he has not left us comfortless. I thank you for the promises. I thank you that they're not left unfulfilled, but they're for each and every one of us. You better go into that covenant and see what the promises are that you got to claim for yourself. Thank you, Lord, because when I hear about the promises, hey, it makes me want to run. <laughs> when I think about the promises, it makes me leap and dance. Because I used to do this for the devil. I used to do this for Muhammad. But now I'm doing it for Jesus at a whole new level. Thank you, Jesus. There's promises. There's promises. And here the kicker, the same God who, who, who divided the Red Sea is still here today. The same God who saved them in the lion's den is still here today. The same God that was with Elijah when it came to Baal is still here today. The same God who rose Lazarus from the dead is still here today for you. The promises are all going to be fulfilled. He's not some spoof God that did a lot of stuff in the Bible not doing stuff today. Well, he's here to do it today. And in you and in your families. 
thank you that his promises are not going to go out and be void. No, they're yes and amen. They're going to be fulfilled in your life if you just stay open to what he's saying. Get in that word. Get in his presence so he can continue to transform your life so that other people can see it. Thank you, Jesus. I realize that Jesus never did a eulogy. <laughs> he never did a eulogy because Jesus walked in revival. Any dead thing is going to raise back up around him. And I'm telling you, that's the same Jesus who lives in you. It says greater things will you do. Well, you know when there's dead things around your life and they come around you, baby, they got to raise back up because that can, you can have dead things by you. So I speak that over the body right now, that everything dead will be rose back up because of you. Everything dead from your visions will be raised back up in Jesus' name. Your family members who smite their dead will be raised back up because of you, because of the anointing on you, because revival is in you, because God is saying, we want revival, well, you're going to do revival. Nothing dead will stay around you. Hallelujah. Hey. Hey. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We want revival. Well, I'm speaking for personal revivals. Hey, we want revival. Personal revivals. Personal repentance before it can be national. So I speak that over all. We walk in personal revival. Hey, Hasate. Thank you, Father. I pray that God just enlarges each and every one of your capacity to receive from him. Just an enlargement. I declare that over you right now in Jesus' name. That promise of the outpouring is here. That promise of the latter rain is here. And we thank you, Father. Who, Jesus, what's my time? I just got one more thing. He got me just to share one more thing. And I, then we'll let you go. Exodus 3.14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Well, I looked up I am and what does I am means? It came to pass. <laughs> I am means it came to pass. It's like when God said, let there be light. It came to pass. Jesus. First Samuel 120, don't go there. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel. And when he and Acts eleven twenty six, and when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. In first Kings eighteen forty four, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arises the little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Say it came to pass. I'm going to tell you, your victory is coming to pass, people of God. Your deliverance is coming to pass. Your healing is coming to pass. Your marriage is coming to pass. Your ministries are coming to pass. Your restoration is coming to pass. All that time they had us in mass, guess what? Your voice is coming to pass. We're going to be restored that. I thank him for it. It's coming to pass. Whatever it is that you need, you better speak it over and say, it's coming to pass, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for increase. Thank you that revival is coming to pass. So I encourage you to have God's perception. Not in yourself. Don't believe it in yourself. Don't believe that you can do it. Not in your own doing. Don't try to figure it out. 
but just believe, only believe. Hmm? Thank you. Why don't you stand up for me? shall be